The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserves all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. We will now turn to Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah, and we'll read from Isaiah 29, beginning at verse 13, to the end of the chapter, and after that we will turn to Matthew chapter 6. So first Isaiah chapter 29, Isaiah 29 beginning at verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, And with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, Who sees us? And who knoweth us? Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say unto him that made it, He made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, He had no understanding? Is it not yet a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and a fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest? And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off, that make a man an offender for a word, and lay a snare for him that reproves in the gate, and turns aside the just for a thing of naught. Therefore thus saith the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. But when he seeth his children, the work of mine hands, in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name, and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and shall fear the God of Israel. They also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding, and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. We'll now turn to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read from verse 9 to 15. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. And after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So far the reading of God's holy and instructive word. Dear church family, please turn with me in the back of your Psalters to 
The Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 47, which you can find on page 84. This morning we will continue our study of the Lord's Prayer as, as we, and we come to the first petition this week. What is the first petition? Question 122. Answer, hallowed be thy name. That is, grant us first rightly to know thee, to sanctify, glorify, and praise thee in all thy works, in which thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. And further, also that we may so order and direct our lives, words and actions, that the name, that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Dear church family, we, we all have something in our lives that maybe is something that's been passed down from one generation to the next that has been in your family. Something special that, that you delight to, to show to others, to share with, maybe even allow them to use, and as they use it, you, you, you get joy in seeing them use this particular object. Maybe it's something that you've set apart for special occasions. Maybe something that you treasure. It has incredible meaning to you. Maybe it's a piece of jewelry, a set of silverware, a watch. Maybe, maybe grandparents, it's a, it's a, a toy that you love to bring out when your grandchildren come for them to, to use. Or, or maybe an instrument that has been passed down through the family that you love to play or enjoy listening to as others play it. Or maybe as a, as a young woman when, who's been recently engaged and she likes to show her ring to any and all who want to see it. Whatever the item is, hiding it, not using it, or misusing it, does no justice to its value. Well, this morning we come to something that is incredibly valuable and something that the Lord has given to us to use and to use it well. And we we consider this object, this name, in our first petition in the Lord's Prayer, which is our text from Matthew 6, verse the last four words of Matthew 6, verse 9, Hallowed be thy name. As we consider this first petition, we, we find Jesus calling us to set apart God's name, his holy name, because it is worthy, because it is a demonstration, a reflection of his character, his being, because it, it may, makes manifest his glorious work, and we're called to acknowledge that and to render it holy, to set it apart, and not just on special occasions, once in a while, not just on Sunday as we gather for worship, but, but we are to hallow his name every day of the week, at every moment, in every area and facet of our of our life. And so our theme this morning is hallowing God's name. I want to look at it with three thoughts. The what of this petition, what does it mean to hallow God's name? The so what of this petition, what is the what's the importance behind hallowing God's name? And for considerable part of the sermon, the now what? How are you going to live? And we're going to see God's call to live lives that hallow God's name. 
As we come to this first petition, hallowed be thy name, we are immediately confronted with a series of questions, children, that maybe at the back of your mind, what does it mean to hallow something? What, what is to be hallowed? Why is this the first petition as we, as we consider the, the whole of the Lord's Prayer? Why is this the first petition out of all, all of them? Well, this word hallow in the original has two, two main ideas. There's the idea of to take something and separate it, to set it apart from its regular use and dedicate it to the service of the Lord. We see the use of this word in Exodus 20, verse 8, where the Lord's day was set apart from the other days of the week to be a holy day. Or we read of the Levites being set apart from the, the other 11 tribes for the service of the Lord. And you can read throughout the Old Testament a number of things that have been set apart, hallowed, for the service of God. But this word also has the idea of, of acknowledging something as holy, declaring something to be holy. And this may be something that has been set aside, set apart as holy, or it may be referring to something that has been and always will be holy. And this is particularly the second aspect that Jesus uses in this command as he, in this petition, as we, as we pray, hallowed be thy name. This phrase, hallowed be thy name, is translated variously. Um, and just to get a sense of the meaning that's included in this word hallowed, it has the idea of upholding the holiness of thy name, or let thy name be kept holy. It's not optional. This is a command. Jesus has already commanded us, as we heard several weeks ago, prayer is not optional. And this particular petition is not optional. Hallowed be thy name. We are commanded to hallow, to set apart, to acknowledge the name of the Lord as being holy. We are to pray that this, that, that this name of the Lord will be hallowed, will be set apart as glorious and majestic. But not only praying that it will be done, but we are praying that we would be the very means by which his name is hallowed. But what are we to hallow? Well, we've already mentioned over and over again, it is the name of the Lord. Hallowed be thy name. And this comes in, in directly after, as we heard last week, who we are praying to, our Father, which art in heaven. We are to hallow, we are to lift up the name of our Father, which art in heaven. The name of God we are to lift up and acknowledge, set before others. Now, the name, when, when we come to the name, thy name, or the name of the Lord, or the name of God, this is really just a direct reference to the Lord himself. For there is an intimate connection between the name of the Lord and the Lord. God is his names. For it is, it, it is in his names that he has revealed himself to people like, like us. It is in his names that he demonstrates to, to, to us who he is. This is what the Lord himself, um, or as Moses records for us in Exodus 34, and as the Lord will say, Exodus 34 verse 5 tells us, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood before him, that's before Moses, and the Lord proclaimed the name of the Lord to Moses. Now what did Moses hear? Well, the, the, he continues recording for us. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, 
and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity upon of, of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. As the Lord proclaimed his name to, to Moses, and as he proclaims his name to us today, he's directing his attention to his very being, his very character. He directs our attention to his attributes, his, his glorious character in terms of his mercy, his grace, his holiness, his justice, his love, his wisdom, his inf- infinite majesty. The psalms, the psalms also help us make this connection between the name of the Lord and the Lord himself. Over and over throughout the, the psalms, you can, you can read a verse that will parallel the name of the Lord with the Lord. Psalm 7, verse 17, we read, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. The psalmist, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to the name of the Lord. The Lord and the name of the Lord are one and the same. Psalm 113, verse 1, we see the same thing. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O servants, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So when we hallow God's name, we are to hallow God. We are to set him apart. We are to render him and acknowledge his glory, his holiness. And Isaiah made that similar claim for us in, in Isaiah 29, which we read together in verse 23 when, when, where we read, but when he sees his children, the work of my hands in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and shall fear or stand in awe of the God of Israel. They shall sanctify my name. Set apart, honor my name, the Lord says. But not just his name, but his, his being. Sanctify the Holy One. Hallowing the name of God is to set apart his name, to honor it, to stand in awe of the Lord God of Israel. So in this first petition, we are called to hallow, declare holy, to set apart the name of the Lord as holy. Now, this does not mean that we can add or will add anything to God's holiness or his majesty or his greatness. For as Isaiah says in Isaiah 6, that he is the thrice holy God. He is holy And we cannot add anything to that. We cannot add anything to his character, to his being. But what this command does call us, it calls us to acknowledge that he is holy. That we are to declare it as holy to all those around us. Thomas Watson puts it this way. We can add add nothing to his essential glory. But we are said to honor and sanctify his name when we lift him up in the world and make him appear greater in the eyes of others. And for the Christian, this is to be our first and foremost priority, our greatest priority. Hence the reason it is the first petition. The Lord deserves all glory and honor from us. We testify this as we confess with the Westminster Shorter Catechism when I ask the question, what is the chief end of man? What's your, what's your first and foremost priority? Why were you created? To glorify God. To enjoy Him forever. And one of the ways we glorify him is by hallowing his name. So as we pray, hallowed be thy name, God is calling us to honor him, to set apart his name, so that his name, as Watson said, may shine forth gloriously. 
that it may be honored and sanctified by us in the whole course and tenor of our lives. Now, maybe someone's asking the question, why? I, I hope you know why. But I desire to show from the Word of God why we ought to do this, why this is so important. God's name is to be preferred above all other names. His name is worthy to be sanctified, glorified, and praised, our catechism says. Because of both of who he is, but also because of what he has done for sinners like like each of us. His attributes and his being call us forth to set his glory and honor above everything else. And the catechism highlights many of his attributes as, as something that we should give, encourage us to honor and praise him. The Lord's power, his wisdom, his goodness, his justice, his mercy, and his truth. And as we, as we begin reading from the, through the scriptures, you open up in Genesis and as you, as you page your way through, you see these characteristics on, on full display for us. We see his power being put on display as he, as he spoke this vast, glorious universe in all its beauty, intricate details into being. With but a word of his power, the trees came. The, the, planets and the moon and the stars and the sun came into being, into existence. And Hebrews 1, 3 tells us that he not only spoke with the word of power everything into being, but with the word of his power, he upholds everything. The fact that we, we live and move and have our being is because of the word of his power. We see his goodness in the fact that as Adam and Eve uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, that they were not consumed in the moment that they fell in the garden. But instead, we read of the Lord coming to them, Adam, where are you? And giving that first glorious gospel promise, which Pastor Kelderman proclaimed and preached about last Sunday evening. We know it is mercy, his covenant loyalty, as it's poured out on his people. We think, of, just read the wilderness travels of the children of Israel as they left Egypt and as they were on their way to Canaan. Again and again, that mercy was poured on the covenant people of Israel over and over, daily in the manna as it came to them. And doesn't he pour out his mercies upon us morning after morning, day by day. As Jeremiah says in Lamentations, thy mercies are new every morning. We take note of his justice as he takes up the plea of the, of the downcast, of the widow and the fatherless and the helpless, but also in the fact that he was not willing to overlook sin, but provided a way of escape, provided a substitute that was so beautifully pictured for us in the Old Testament sacrifices as the lamb was taken to the altar, slain, burnt in the place of the one who brought the offering. But not only do we read about his character and his being, his attributes being worked out throughout the scriptures, but in leading us to be in awe of him, in wonder, so that we declare him, sanctify him, praise him, glorify him. But we also see his, his work, his glorious works, his, his work of creation, marvelous and glorious. We see his, his care and pro, his providential care over us in our, in our lives as he governs, preserves, and accomplishes his purposes in this earth. But we see his redemptive work being worked out, a glorious work of redemption where from before eternity in his infinite wisdom, he chose a people to redeem. 
a plan that was then enacted and worked out throughout the course of history. A plan that demonstrates his marvelous grace, a plan that manifests the majesty of his being and his power, his wisdom, his goodness, his justice, his mercy. A plan that was unfolded throughout time. A plan that revolved around the coming seed, which we remember in this Advent season. A seed that would crush the head of the, of the serpent, of Satan. A seed that would come from a line of sinners. Seth, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah. A seed that would be, be a king from the line of David. A seed that would be the priests forever after the order of Melchizedek. That great priest and sacrifice who would fulfill the Old Testament sacrificial system. The Lamb of God who would come to take away the sin of the world. We see the seed, Jesus, the man of God, born as a, as a little child, as, who, had, who came in the infinite wisdom of his father as, as in human flesh, as a little baby. Here the divine son of God, the almighty God, comes as a weak, humble little one in full humanity. So that he could suffer. He could walk on this earth for 33 years. Knowing what it was like to be a real human being. Tempted in every point like as we are yet with no sin. And he came to go to that cross so that he could suffer and die in the place of sinners like, like each of us are. And the Apostle John tells us to behold the Lamb of God. And then in at the end of John's life, towards the end of John's life, in Revelations 5.12, we, we read him calling us, or we, we hear the, as he sees his vision of heaven, we hear the call, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is this Lamb to have his name hallowed by us. So as we pray, hallowed be thy name. We are praying that the name of God, the Lord himself, would be magnified, set apart in all his glory, his beauty, for who he is and what he has done for sinners like us. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to have all glory given to him. The glory, this glory, Calvin says, by which his name is sanctified, flows and results from the acknowledgments made by men as, as the wisdom, goodness, righteousness, and power, and all the other attributes of God. Calvin continues, the substance of this petition is that the glory of God may shine in the world, it may be duly acknowledged by men, by people like, like you and I. So the question is, how do we do that? What does that look like in our daily lives? How do we hallow God's name? Today? Tomorrow? The rest of this calendar year and into the next year? What does that look like? So how do we hallow God's name? Well, the first question we have to ask ourselves before we pray or as we pray this prayer, do we ourselves know this one who is holy? Have we bowed ourselves in adoration before him? Our catechism puts it this way. First, we are to rightly know the Lord. We need to know him. And so, do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords? 
If you do not, you cannot and you do not want to hallow his name. And even, even when you do pray this prayer, in one sense your prayer becomes a blatant contradiction. You're praying that the Lord's name would be hallowed and sanctified, be set apart with all his glory and majesty. But at the same time, you have not sheltered under his name. You have not found refuge in in his name. And so you're saying that with your life, that he's not worthy to have his name hallowed because you haven't rested in his finished work. So first, you need to rightly know him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you know him, it will be your delight, your desire to hallow his name. Oh yes, you will, you will see again and again your many shortcomings, your many failures in doing this. But as Arthur Pink said, the pious, there will be this pious desire that God's matchless name be reverenced, adored, glorified. And that God might cause it to be held in the most, in the utmost respect and honor. And you will want to do this. This will be the desire of your heart and your life. Not just with your words, but with your thoughts, words, and actions. Hallowing God's name is, is not just a bare acknowledgement that his name is above every other name. But we, but we will live it out in the whole of our life. Others will see it in us. It will be our desire to live holy for him and to see that, that glory, his glory, advanced through the earth in your personal life, in your marriages, in your family, in your studies, students, in your work, in your businesses, in your free time, on your vacations, in your interactions with others, whether they are believers or unbelievers, whether it occurs in the church or outside of the church. It begins in our hearts and minds. And we want to structure this last, the remaining time as we consider how do we honor, hallow the name of the Lord with our minds, then with our words, and with our actions? It begins in our hearts and our minds. For Jesus himself said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is in our hearts will be expressed in, in one way or another. And therefore, in our minds, we have to have the highest appreciation and esteem for the name of the Lord. It has to be something that's settled, it's rooted in in our minds. And in that sense, we need the mind of Christ as Paul directs us our attention in, in Philippians 2, verse, verses 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We need the mind of Christ who who desired to do all to the glory of God. As he said in John 17, I have glorified the Father. And as we, as our minds are saturated with the name and the appreciation and the esteem of God, we will, we will put into practice what the Apostle Paul later in Philippians 4 says to us. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think, think on these things. In the first place, we need to think through And have a high regard in our thoughts and our minds for the name of the Lord. We need to be a thinking people when it comes to the hallowing of God's name.
for he is worthy. Now, related to this first one, in terms of having a high appreciation and esteem for the name of the Lord, I want to look at two, as it were, subsets of this. We hallow his name in our minds and our thoughts when we love his name, when we love him. This is a love that is first and foremost from the heart and from the mind. Yes, it will be expressed in our words and our actions, but there will be first and foremost a a love that wells up for the Lord our God, for his names, for his person, for his attributes, for his work, for him. Are you overwhelmed with his love for you as a sinner? Are you overwhelmed with him? Would you be able to say with Peter as Jesus came and questioned him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Despite, despite our many shortcomings, our failures, sins, are we still able to say, and is it still our desire, Lord, thou dost know all about me. Thou dost know that I love thee. Not only will we love him, we will, we will honor and hallow his name when we trust him. Doubt and unbelief dishonor the name of God. Doubt says, I'm not sure I can find my only hope and life in death in, in Jesus. Our doubts cast and our unbelief cast a shadow over the glorious name of the Lord. And it leaves us in darkness. But when we trust in the name of the Lord, we will be, as Proverbs 18 says, we will be like those that run to that strong tower and find safety there. It says the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and is safe. In the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of doubts, questions, accusations, where do you go as a Christian? Where do you take these doubts, these fears, these uncertainties of whether I'm his or no? Do you run to his name and do you trust him? Do you, do you go to him to find security and hope and shelter? So we honor his name as we take, as we appreciate it, as we hold it in high esteem, as we love him, as we trust him. Him. But this will be expressed. This will be this will come out when we love him, when we have an appreciation and an esteem for his name. It will be manifest through our words and through our actions. And so as we consider how do we honor and hallow his name in our words, well we hallow his name when we profess him, his name in public. When we, when we acknowledge that He is our God with our, with our voice. And for those of you who are in the confession class, some of you, the Lord willing, this coming spring will stand before this congregation and before the Lord and acknowledge that you desire to serve Him, to follow Him. We do so with the highest reverence and adoration. Not with the misuse of his name. Or not like the Jews who, who, would, who would not even use his name for fear of misusing it. But we are compelled because of our love for him to proclaim his name for who he is and what he has done. So we profess his name with our words. To one another, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, but also to those around us as we interact with them, whether our neighbors, our, our, our children, our, our co-workers, our employees. We also hallow his name as we express our displeasure, our grief when his name is misused and abused. 
No, not in some self-righteous way that makes us look good, but in a manner that expresses our sadness, our grief, our disappointment that his name is misused. But also demonstrates a desire to see the one who is misusing the name of the Lord, desiring to see them come to know the wonder and the glory of this name. We hallow his name when we lift up our voices in praise and adoration. As we sing the psalms together in worship, as we sing in our homes, as we sing in our cars, as we drive to work, or in places where no one else can hear us, we hallow his name. Whether this is in public or in private, whether it is whether we do so with the ability to carry a tune or we can't carry a tune. We hallow his name as we sing praises to his glory. We hallow his name when we give him honor in every circumstance of our life. Whether times of trouble, challenge, whether times of joy and rejoicing. When we, when we come alongside those in need with prayer and we lift them up, then and there, calling on the name of the Lord to help them, to be with them. Or whether it's in the middle of the night and you can't sleep and someone comes across your mind and you, you lift them up in prayer. We acknowledge, when we acknowledge his, his fatherly care over us, in challenges and difficulties in our life. Maybe we're not able to see our way through the, the darkness and the uncertainty. We don't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel, as it were, in the circumstance. But yet, in the midst of the darkness, we when we lift up his name, knowing that he's got his hand around us and over us and is carrying us, we hallow his name. We hallow his name when we give him thank, when we give thanks to him for the many blessings that he does bless us with, for the, for the times of joy that we can experience, whether it's in our families or in the church community or beyond, as we bless his name for the blessings he bestows on us. And particularly at this time of year, as we, as we reflect back at the end of the year, over, over the course of this year, 2023, as we recognize the Lord's mercies and acknowledge them before, before Him, before others, we lift up and hallow His name. So may we be, at this time of year, may we be a people who take time to reflect to consider who our God has been for us this year. But we also hallow his name, not just with our words, but in our actions. And sometimes our actions speak louder than our words. So we hallow his name by living in obedience to his commands. No, not in some meritorious way of seeking to earn favor with him, but out of gratitude and thankfulness, desiring to conform our lives according to his standards, which Paul says is our reasonable service. Carrying out these commands with a heart of love, love for God and love for our neighbors as as Jesus gives us, as he calls it, a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And that you also love one another. But by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you love one another. We hallow God's name when it's our delight and desire to honor and hallow the Sabbath day, the Lord's day, by giving him the spiritual worship that he, he is worthy of. 
And so we come Lord's Day after Lord's Day worshiping in, in spirit and truth. Not, not treating this day as, as any other day of the week, but as a day devoted to the service of the Lord. Delighting to gather with the people of God as we've, we're, have we done, as we, as we've done this morning to be under the preaching of the word, to be under the corporate prayer of the flock, to sing praises publicly to his name. And we call, we are called to, as enabled to do this two times, to worship the Lord, to, to come and serve him. And may it be our desire, dear flock, to take advantage of the opportunity to worship twice on the Lord's Day. We honor him by seeking to worship him and calling on him as he has called us to. We also hallow his name by living a a holy life. In, in, in the entirety of our life. And Peter puts it this way in second, in first Peter two, verses 11 and 12. As he beseeches the, the scattered Christians of his day, he says, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation, or that word conversation could be translated your way of life, having your conversation, your way of life, honest among the Gentiles, that they may by your good works, which they shall behold or see, glorify God in the day of visitation. By having our conversation, our, our entire way of life, as an honest open book of the God we serve and love, so that others would see, and not just others in our midst, not just our fellow Christians, brothers and sisters, but Peter says the Gentiles, those who are unbelievers, those who have not known Christ, that they would see and behold and glorify God. And so we are to put his name before anything else before your own profit, your own credit, your own interests, your own life. We think of Daniel's three friends as they, as they were commanded to bow down before that golden calf. And the multitude bowed down, and there stood three, unwilling to surrender to the, the demands of the king willing to bear the the wrath of the king so that they would not dishonor their God. So whether it's in our thoughts, our words, or actions, may we be a people who are constantly evaluating how we live. Are we hallowing God's name? Asking ourselves questions. Will this conversation that I'm about to have with so-and-so, will this action that I'm going to undertake, will this thought, will it tend to the glory and the honor of the Lord and his name? Will his name be exalted? Will Jesus increase in my estimation and in the estimation of others? And will I decrease? Is it your desire? Is it your delight to hallow the name of God in all that you do? If we are honest with ourselves, we are so often too, so often filled with our own selves, our own honor, our own, what, what is so-and-so going to think of me if I say this? Or We need to be filled 
dear flock, we need to be filled with the glory of God. We need to get a glimpse of his beauty, his glory, his majesty. We need to get a glimpse of him. Watson concludes his thoughts on, on, the, on this petition, and he says, Could we but see a glimpse of God's glory, as Moses did in the rock? It would draw adoration and praise from him. And friend, where do you get a glimpse of Jesus Christ? Where do you get a glimpse of your God? It's by being in his word, by being under his preached word, by growing in our knowledge and understanding of him, by growing in our love of him, by, by growing in our, in our enjoyment of him and our delight for him. <clears throat> May we be a people who delight in hallowing the name of God, for he is worthy. And may we not be like, like we so often are with those special things that are in our lives, and we just pull them out every so often and use them. But may we, on a regular basis, a daily basis, 24-7, hallow the name of the Lord in every area and every facet of your life. Amen. Lord, we pray that we would hallow thy name. Help us to do that. Help us to not be contradictions of our prayer. But may we lift up thy name for others to see and to behold in our, in our words and our actions. May we place this petition at the forefront of our lives, day in and day out. Help us, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.